live now and welcome to Ask Nick Questions on my Facebook Live channel here. And what we're going to do tonight is I have a couple questions that people have been asking me all week and I wanted to be able to get a chance to answer them. And if you have questions uh, during this uh, Facebook Live, then just go ahead and type them in the comment section and I'll be able to get to them uh, should we have time. So just to introduce myself, I'm Nick Finelli. I'm a integration technology specialist. I, uh, I work with lots of different schools, uh, lots of different levels, and across different devices, different types of teaching, different styles. And so my goal is just to help you learn some new things and help you be better accustomed to, to doing things. So without that, let's go to our first one. Um, so first question I had and uh, was on, excuse me, with uh, with Google and trying to get Google Classroom so that different schools can join or be a part of other schools' classrooms. So let me uh, switch over to our um, my browser, and I use the uh, Chrome browser just to so you let you know that's a one I typically use even when I'm using a, like a Mac, which I'm doing right now. Um, and we'll talk about one of the questions or one of the things I'm going to do is uh, talk about some of the things like a profile, which you can set up in a Windows or a um, Mac computer. And having this profile sets your, your Google account um, apart so you're not, you're not getting confused from um, your, your personal account with your business account. All right, so uh, let's, uh, first of all, I, I, my company is uh, Blended Tech Learning. And you can go to my website, blendedtechlearning.com. It's also linked on this Facebook page. Um, I have courses that you can take. I also offer certification academies and online professional learning as well as on-site. Um, so let's go, if you are an admin, and this, this would be more for the admin, so you know you, you can't do this if, if you don't have admin privileges. But if you go to the admin section of Google, they have a... Um, they have the admin control panel and you actually go to the apps section and so when you click on the apps section you get a list of all of your your different applications that you control and now it's asking me to sign back in it's been too long waiting I guess um, so you control different organizations whether you have you know students or teachers in separate organizations so that they can get different um, different privileges than each other so once you go into your uh, your Google Apps admin control panel you're gonna go to G Suite and go to your your apps and then in G Suite and then you're gonna get your listing and you'll click on classroom and when you click on classroom you're gonna get a number of settings and I'll just walk you through some of those settings So you have your general, you have your class settings, and your data access. Uh, your general settings is just who's allowed to create a classroom and who's considered a teacher. And so a lot of times, you know, we can control who is actually able to create a class. So when you're clicking on that plus in Google Classroom, if you only see that you're able to join a class, that means you're not verified as a teacher and you need to contact your administrator. 
they can easily turn that on for you by approving you. They would go to this general settings and go to the teacher permissions and click on this group. And what it will do is it will take you to a Google group. And a Google group is created for all the teachers that are verified. And it will show under here that you are have a join request. So I can click on particular teachers that wanted to join and approve them. And that's all they would have to do. And they would be able to get you in there. And then I can also reject applicants also. So maybe a, a student somehow clicked in the beginning and said that they were a student and um, somehow got in. But it just shows all the members and this is where they can kind of tell who's who's in and who's not and when they actually joined. But going back to the admin panel, so you can choose, you know, any one of the domains so that way you have to you'd have to keep on going back to the list. Verified teachers only or all pending and verified teachers. This is what most schools choose to do. And um, this this allows as you're setting up your organization units, you have coded in there that, you know, Certain people are teachers, so they would automatically get put in there. But this is just in case something falls through the cracks, they can always get there. The next thing would be guardian access. Just under there, it's just allowing those. If you don't have guardian access, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. It allows everything that you do in Google Classroom to be able to be displayed um, on a daily or a weekly basis to whomever guardians you choose, whether it's parents, grandparents, even mentors for a child. And what they do is they get a, the, like I said, they get a weekly or a daily snapshot of all the assignments, all the questions that were asked, all the announcements. And so it's just a nice way to kind of catch up and have a conversation about um, those assignments. The guardians don't have access to their Google account. Basically, it's like a, almost like a newsletter. And so if you allow parents and guardians as an admin to do this, then you can just say, well, all verified teachers are the ones who can actually put in that information. Otherwise, the administrators are going to be the ones that do this. And this is okay. Some do this because their school um, uses PowerSchool or something like that, where they, they take the, um, the parents' um, information and any other information they have as far as emails and automatically put them in. So there's a way to do that. There's, a, there's actually an API to do that. So anytime they make changes, they're going to have to hit save. I'm going to discard my changes just so I can go down to it. So when I talk about an API, let me just briefly tell you what an API is. So think about an API as just a, a, an access point um, to interfere or, or interface with the, um, with the program. So if Google Classroom has an API, it means it's just a simple way for them or like a door opening for them to have access to certain things within Classroom so that developers, for example, could make products that could enhance or help. Um, and it just allows them to have access to, to get into the, the things that just that they need. Not everything in your Google account, but just the things they need to, to make it run in Classroom. And so this is where this would be enabled if, if they wanted to do something like that, where they were um, having a, a, a SMS, or excuse me, um, a student information system, an SIS, uh, get in there. So the real part I'm talking about today, getting there finally, is the, uh, the class settings. So if you are in a school and you're able to have Google Classrooms and your students are able to join, but then all of a sudden you go to this conference and the person presenting says, you know what, I'm going to make a Google Classroom and you guys can join and 
you can get all these things and we'll just run it like a classroom, which I do often too. It's just a nice way, especially if people are already on Google, it's a nice way to, to get in there and do some stuff. So some people are not able to join. It's because their administrators had said anybody who's, um, who's in this domain can only join classes, for instance, in their domain, or you can, um, you can restrict so that your classes themselves are, uh, are for anybody. So there's four levels here, but what they would need to do is if they wanted you as a teacher, if you wanted to join a class outside, um, excuse me, outside of your domain, they would go down to the second one. It just says, which classes can users in your do domain join? So the restriction is just in your domain or whitelisted domains. So this would mean if you have a, maybe like a sister school or a school where you, um, you work with and do specific things with and you also share maybe like Google Drive or things like that, but they're actually a separate school, you can have a, a whitelisted domain. Some even do whitelisted domains if they have two separate um, Google domains uh, maybe one for students and one for teachers. It allows them basically to talk to each other. So that's kind of the second restrictive. And then the last one is any G Suite class. So that means you as a user, if this was checked, you could join any class that was set up in a G Suite. And G Suite would be anybody in the education realm that has a Google Classroom. Because right now uh, you can join as a um, as a personal user, but but your class themselves is is not able to be created as a just a Gmail. Um, so who can join classes? You have any user, so that means anybody with a Gmail account can actually join a class that you created in your domain. And then it goes up to any G Suite user, which would mean anybody with a with a Google account that's at a school or that has a Google Classroom themselves, and then the whitelisted domains, and then back up to just users in your particular domain. So if uh, for some reason your administrators um, are not sure how to do this, um, go ahead and send them this, and that way they know a quick way to, to make sure that you can join classes when you're outside of your school, but not necessarily have people join classes inside of your domain. So. So on the flip side, I would say, you know what, if a school wanted to be protected, they would say in their domain only users in the, that's who can join, but anybody in my school, maybe a teacher who wants to join somebody outside, well, they're allowed to. And so we can click on save there. And so that's an easy way to, um, to configure that. So, all right. So that was one of the questions. And then another question had to do with specifically back in Google Classroom. So now there's a lot more um, integration with grading. And so you'll notice over the past couple of years that Google Classroom has been in existence. Um, the grading has gotten different. They've changed some things. You can, you can add your own grades um, as far as your grading scale. Um, you can also plug in grades um, in, the, in the grading part that are actually partial points or with decimals, so that also helps. When you give a, a Google Form itself, it will automatically transfer the grades from a graded Google Form onto your Google Classroom grade, grade area. So those are all just nice little features and um, 
I'm going to show you what it's like once you do have grades in your classroom, how you can use that, and then maybe you got PowerSchool, maybe you have some other sort of uh, grade, grade book, and you need to be able to pull these grades because you're using them in class. It's not just performative assessment. So you're using them. So let's go back over to this here, and I'm going to open up one of my classes. So here's an example one of the Google classes and so let's say I have this class here and this is a, an assignment you can see there's the grades are already in there for the different folks that are in there I've already returned them to them so on the right you're gonna see a little gear and when you see the gear you can click on that and it says copy all grades to a Google Sheet of course, you could download all the grades to a CSV or just download these grades, which would mean just for this assignment, to a CSV file, which is a comma-separated um, file that can easily be uploaded to Excel or, or other things. Most things um, would actually import CSV files, so it's, it's kind of a base file. But I'm going to copy all grades to Google Sheets so you can see what this looks like. Because it's not only going to take the grades that you saw right there, but it's going to look at all the assignments for this class and put them all in a nice little spreadsheet for me. All right, so now you see it. It's showing the class, the, the name of the students, and I just have some the username students, but it also shows their email, shows their average score. It's also going to show the class average in the spreadsheet. And then it has the actual name of the assignments, whether it was a question, whether it was a particular assignment. It puts the name, and if there was a particular due date, it would put that at top. And then it shows you how many points it was out of as well as the averages for each of those assignments and then you're gonna see each of the students and their particular grades since it is a spreadsheet if you realize oh wait this I gave the wrong grade for this one you can go ahead and change it right in there so that's also a nice feature so now it's it's all together and you could sort this alphabetically if you needed to by first name or last name and then go ahead and Go down and copy your cells and then copy it onto your, your gradebook. And, um, you know, depending on what your gradebook actually imports over, how it's set up. But as far as the, the grading part, that's, that's going to be the easiest way to do that. All right. Next up is we're going to talk about some things with Microsoft. One of my favorite things in Microsoft is the immersive reader. If you've ever used um, Word, PowerPoint, OneNote, there's actually a little section in the viewing that, uh, actually I said PowerPoint, but OneNote and Word is, is where, where I use it most, and I have some examples to show you that tonight. But, uh, but Microsoft has put a lot of energy into accessibility and study and, and seeing how it helps students and better with learning and just understanding and especially now we're going to more one-to-one -one 
atmospheres where students are going to have their own environment and so that they can get some personal attention. So these accessibility features, especially the immersive readers, it's pretty helpful. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the immersive reader. I'm going to click on my uh, Microsoft account. So I'm a Microsoft Innovative Educator and I do training um, around for Microsoft and helping them, helping teachers. And so uh, I'm just going to, I'm just opened up in my Office 365 and I can go to Class Notebook, I can go to Word, I can go to OneNote. So I already have some open here. So I'm going to pull open this Word file. And you can see already the screen is the immersive reader. And so I'm going to actually click on the play button so you can hear it. Be directed to a specific website or you will need to search on your own to answer the questions. List all websites that you obtain information from that have not been given to you. And it all right, if that's a little fast, you can always control down here at the bottom. There's a little gear. You can control the voice speed. I can change it to a male if I'd rather hear a male. Um, besides it highlighting and saying the words, I can also control up at the top right how large the font is. So if I need a larger font, I could definitely make it larger. I can control the spacing. So I can increase the spacing or make it larger if needed. I can choose between two different types of fonts. So you have one that is a, a sans serif and one's, one's a serif. Um, I did the opposite, of course. And then you have these themes down here it's just to show you different colors. So if a student needs to, and I know um, those people who remember teaching back when they used to put the yellow transparency or the blue transparency in front of a, a page, so a student would not have that kind of white glare when they're reading. Um, you could easily do that, and so each person could personalize it. And so you have your different font sizes and different fonts. You also have up at the top is a little book. And so on the book, it shows different parts of speech you can turn on. You can turn on syllables as well. And turn on nouns, verbs, and adjectives. And now in different colors it will show those. So let me close this out so you can see the whole page. As you can see I'm just scrolling up and it's able to pull that information. So I can do them all at once or just pick one at a time if I'm looking at syllabification and then it's going to read it. Detach that list to this web quest. Do not use websites such as ASK.com or Wikipedia to locate information. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the books and you can see I can turn these off and it will change the colors. Remember I can also change my background too. Alright, so the last part is this little book is just a reading preferences. And so while I'm reading, I can have what is called line focus. So if I need to focus on a particular line when I'm reading, notice everything else is grayed out, but this is shown in, in bold white, so we're able to see it. I can do it for a larger area, so you can see this larger area. Let me switch it back to a different color, so you can see not only what the black does, as, as does that, but if I change it to white, 
then now it, it opens this area, and so everything that's in this little frame is able to be seen in red, rather than just uh, um, than just uh, the the whole area themselves, because it helps them focus on on the attention of what's being read at that time. Okay, so that's the immersive reader. So how do I get to that, and how that works? So if I go back to my original document and I'm looking at the document you can see up here I have my file home these are called ribbons I go to the view ribbon and when I go to the view ribbon I have editing view reading view and then the immersive reader and so when you click on that that of course takes you to the reader page and so here's the play tectonics one. So there's the, the web quest. And if I just hit play. Play tectonics web quest key. In this web quest. So you can see how it works pretty, pretty quickly reading it and changing it. And then they can go back. And so it's just a nice way of, of getting something read to you and, and looking at it that way. Let me show you also what it looks like in OneNote. So I'm going to click over here to OneNote. It's in the same spot. You just really go across to your top of your ribbons, click on View. And notice I'm using both Word Online and OneNote Online. Um, same capability happens when you do it offline, when you're using the, the latest Office 365 um, version, desktop version. Um, you would go to View and the Immersive Reader would be there also. So you can see here, inside of OneNote, it will do the same thing. I can go straight when maybe I don't want it read to me but I just want to find all the verbs well I just go through and see if there's any verbs highlighted there we go planning writing there we go. so just again another neat way to be able to to reach readers and help them out um, whether it's younger readers or, or just you know, sometimes we just need to hear our own writing, which is another good example. I could write something and then just have it play back, and it's going to read it, um, so that way you can get an idea of, you know, if it sounds good. I used to, before we had anything like this, you know, we used to have students read each other's or read their um, papers to each other or whatever they were writing, just so they could get someone else's feedback. Um, or just to kind of hear how it was. So that's still good, but also having it kind of read for them, they're going to hear things that they may not hear when they just read it to themselves. All right, so those are uh, three of the things that, that I wanted to show you during this time. The, the last thing actually deals with Apple. So um, if you have an iPad or some sort of... Um, iOS device and you want to record what's on your device the the best way to do that is to use the the newest iOS iOS feature that has actual screen recording but you may notice after you do that screen recording the audio doesn't really um, show up um, it's it's a screen recording and it and it shows what you did in there but you have to add some audio so in order to get them at the same time, you could, one, just do the recording and then do a voiceover, maybe an iMovie or something like that. 
Uh, on the other hand, you could just open up GarageBand, start GarageBand, and then start your recording, and so that way you would have them both at the same time, and you wouldn't have to record your voice twice, and you could just talk about it. So let me let me show you that one. Um, so let me bring in my iPad as a way to, uh, to show you some things here. All right, so looking at the iPad, first thing I'm going to do is open up GarageBand. And when I open up GarageBand, I'm going to click on the plus in the top right corner to start. And I'm going to get some choices as far as you know what kind of uh, track I want. And of course, I'm just doing audio because I'm doing a recording. So I'm going to click on the voice. And I say click, it should be touch. Um, so when you get to the interface for the audio recording, you can change your tone, your pitch control, your compression, all things like that. You can also, if you want to be able to hear yourself, you can plug in headphones and click on the bottom right and there's a, a monitor key. And um, But some things I want to make sure you do take away here is first off, I do not like the metronome, so I take that off. Um, I also touch the plus at the top right because what I want to do is I don't want my recording just to have eight bars and stop. So I need to click on the plus and then click on, eight, um, excuse me, touch eight bars. And then I'm going to touch automatic. So that way it'll automatically keep on recording um, and keep going as, as I continue. So I'm going to touch off of that. The last thing you need to do is to make sure that GarageBand will be recording in the background. So I'm going to touch the wrench and I am going to go down to advanced and touch advanced. And you can see I already have it selected, but the third one down is run in background. So what this does is allows you to run GarageBand in the background of anything you're doing. And so, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and now can click off and I can just press record. So now it's going through, it's recording my voice, and now I'm going to switch out. And the way I know it's running in the background is it'll say at the top, GarageBand recording in red. Now I want to go to my screen recording. So I'm going to go back to my home. Um, I just did a double click on the home um, on this iPad, but um, you could, any way that you get back to the screen. And then there's a recording button here. And so you'll see at the right, right on the camera, you can do screen recording. And since right now I am displaying this through the iMac, uh, that is, is, is actually through the dock connection. So it's actually showing my iPad from the, from the Mac. So you could see it, but really you would just touch that. You would do your recording. And then when you finish, you would touch your screen recording. It would stop and save it to a, um, your, your camera roll. And then you would go back to your GarageBand and stop that. And so then now you have it saved in GarageBand and you also have it um, saved in your camera roll. So then you just would, you could actually bring them both over to, to iMovie and, uh, and put them together there. So that, that's what I would do under this circumstance.
All right. So while we're in here, we might as well I'll show you that. So I'm going to go back to my songs because it's going to save it. And I can export my song. So I'm going to select my song too. Of course, I could rename it. And I'm going to share it. And so when it asks me to share, do I want to share it as a project file? Do I want to share it as ringtone or song? I'm just going to use it as a song so it can be a separate audio file. And then it's going to ask me what type of quality I want. And then if there's any special um, info I have that, uh, that I want to use. Maybe a different cover image or something like that. And that's more for, for publishing and podcasting. So let's say I click on share. Then it's going to give me some options of how am I going to share it. And so what I'm going to do is instead of clicking on my normal messages or some sort of other notes, because I can share it to my notes if I wanted to, just do a quick audio that way. Um, I can copy it to iMovie, but I like to actually open it in iMovie, because what it does is it exports the song and puts it right in an iMovie um, project that you're creating. So now it's going to ask me to open. So now I'm going to put iMovie. And so now it'll open up iMovie and say I want to create a new movie. And so now it drops that audio directly in there. And so now I could just actually take any of my videos that I have and add it. And so now it's it's part of whatever video I have. So if I had a screenshot or whatever. So now I have separate audio. Now, let's say on the video itself, you have video for somewhere else and maybe it is in a screencast and you want to detach the audio. You can see at the bottom, you have some um, features when you touch the actual uh, clip and it says detach audio. And so now what it does is it creates that audio as a separate file. See, there's a blue. And then I can actually just delete that audio. And so now I just have my audio file from GarageBand along with my video that I had from, from earlier. Okay, so those are some of the questions and some of the things and some of the ways that, that I can help you if you have specific questions feel free to send them to me during the week I'd be glad to include them on my Facebook live pages I also um, will be doing a YouTube live on Thursday so uh, just check on my social media which is at Nick Finelli and I'll go to that spot here so you can see so um, you go to at Nick Finelli, which is me here. Also, besides um, my uh, Twitter page, you can go to my courses. And I'll be adding um, some more content as we go along, including this video will be added to our, our content. But if you click on courses, it will take you to the Blend Tech Learn course page. And 
What you do is you just enroll and then choose a course. Right now we have three fe featured courses, um, one for becoming Google certified. Um, so I can walk you through. There's a whole course on helping you become level one certification. Walks you through the test, gives you test prep, ideas, things like that. Um, we also have the Apple teacher prep course, which there is an Apple teacher certification. It just preps you for that and gives you additional clues and ways you can do um, use Apple products in your classroom. And then the last thing we have is the Microsoft Innovative Educator Teacher Academy online. So the same thing you may go to um, on location, you can take any one of these things at your own pace, online, at home. And um, so you would just register and then um, enroll in one of these courses. And that's how you would be able to learn. Um, I do follow up on all these courses, so even though it's asynchronous and you kind of go at your own pace, if you have any questions or comments during a course, you can easily um, just ask me in the comment section or, or send me a note to the instructor and I, I follow up with, with everybody in the course just to, to make sure everybody's understanding and knowing what's going on and making sure that they understand the material and that they're ready and prepared for the, those particular certifications. Um, one of the neat things about the, uh, the the Google and the Apple one require you to to take a, an exam. So that's what these two actually are getting you ready for the exam. Um, the Apple teacher exam isn't as uh, detailed as the Google one, but it talks about more um, integration and, and helping you out in that classroom. Plus, it, it's for iPad and, and Mac, so it's a combination of both. Whereas the Microsoft Innovative Educator Teacher Academy Online, it um, has you do assignments within the, the class, and I will grade your assignments and not necessarily grade them, but, but provide feedback and, and to help you out. And so uh, and there, once you're finished and you complete the course, you will get your certificate, which is a little badge that says you are a, a MIE um, certified Microsoft Innovative Teacher. So uh, that's kind of cool for that one. So anyway, so those are the courses um, that I offer and uh, right now, and just look down here, there are going to be free content. You're going to notice besides free courses, you're going to see some other featured content, and such as the Facebook Live and YouTube Live will be hosted on here, so you'll be able to catch those if you missed one. And um, so, so that's kind of it. So I appreciate everybody sending things in this week and I'm glad I was able to, to help you out. Hopefully you learned something new tonight and help you be a better teacher tomorrow. Thank you. All right, just wanna say goodbye. <laughs>